0: I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the
1: human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God as real too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day and how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. So we're digging into the book of Luke. And pretty quickly in Luke's story, you get to the stories that are familiar to a lot of people uh, because of the Charlie Brown Christmas. <laughs> yes, Charlie Brown uh, yeah, and Luke, Jesus. Luke 2 is is the source for a lot of the goodness in Uh, I think Linus reads a lot of Luke too. Um, This is the heart of the Christmas story is the end of Luke one and Luke two. So before we get into that story, let's just think about breakfast at, at Christmas time. Do you have, does your family have any, this is what we do for breakfast on Christmas?
0: One of my favorite breakfast traditions that we have is one of my mom's best pals is such a giver. And so every... Every year she gives us Christmas Kringle and we okay. make that Christmas morning and it's just fun because that's an intimate part of the way that you kick off a day and it helps her be able to participate. Like she What's a Kringle? I'm a just, Christmas Kringle? Oh, okay. I'm so it's like sure. this it's, giant circle pastry. Okay. Um, it's like it's dessert for breakfast.
1: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Is it chocolatey, cinnamony? What's it? Any of the things it can be.
0: There can be a chocolate Christmas Kringle. There can be an apple Christmas Kringle. So it's very
1: open. Is this a thing that, you know how you never know if like your family things are things other people know about? Do you think other people in the world know about a Christmas Kringle? I don't know. Cause I definitely didn't
0: think I was going to be explaining Christmas Kringle. So <laughs> this might be one of those I'm things. Cu- I'm curious yeah. if it's like a thing. It's good. I don't even know how to describe it beyond. It is the quintessential pastry. In it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's like one of those things on uh, the great British baking show, how they'll make a thing that you're like, I've never heard of this thing. Yes. And yeah. So that's funny because my story is also a, a pastry that I don't understand. Right. Because our family would every year get uh, a stolen uh, okay which is a noun yes not an action
0: it's they're not your stolen. family is stolen every <laughs> yeah. year for yeah
1: no we don't steal donuts we get a stolen uh from schneider's bakery but i have always been afraid of the stolen because i don't understand it uh
0: yes i don't i don't know what the, what it is whatsoever. yeah so
1: traditionally my dad would just get me a couple of donuts because i was scared of the stolen so actually that we could we should be proud of probably Googled what our, our Christmas pastries are.
0: We both gave subpar
1: descriptions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here's <laughs> random baked goods, I think is our, is our Christmas traditions. Right. But a part of this is to say that breakfast is meaningful. So it says something that we start the day differently. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you don't eat Christmas Kringle like on some random Saturday morning in July. Right. I would never. <laughs> right. It would be. Yeah. It would be less than sacred. It would be, you'd be desecrating it. Right. Right. So there's something to be said for the fact that on those days, it starts right away with that first meal that we have to, we do something different. Uh, both of us were going to talk about cinnamon rolls and didn't do it, but I feel like it's, uh, that's also, that's a lot of people's traditional, yes. um, Christmas morning. There's a a good song that I can't remember who the artist is, but it's called cinnamon and chocolate. And it's like a sadder Christmas song. And it's like, you know, if you don't have anything else at Christmas time, you still have cinnamon and chocolate. Uh, So tis the season for sweetness, I think. Yes. Um, at The least. So as we get into Joseph and Mary, like sometimes when we read these Bible stories, it's, it's a little bit new to us or some of the characters are people we don't like Zechariah and Elizabeth. We don't know a ton about them in our first episode, right? But here, Joseph and Mary, even people who've never read the Bible have some kind of picture of who these people are. When I I tell you Joseph and Mary, we're going to talk about them. Do you have any first pictures that come to your mind from pop culture or movies or just stories that you've read or heard? Yes. So Joseph is sort of merged into this
0: like humble lumberjack figure <laughs> okay. in my brain between all of the different interpretations. I feel like I picture him always wearing a flannel.
1: Okay. <laughs> that seems right. I have in my notes like carpenter. I mean, cause he, that's the only thing we know. Mm-hmm. So when you think about what he might've had for breakfast, I don't know, except that I feel like if it was available to him, he would have loved a Yeti coffee cup
0: and i i think that's brilliant right and
1: he'd have sawdust all over his hands and the yeti cup could withstand if he had to work out in the shed in the morning or whatever and
0: it's probably been the same yeti cup for yeah ever so yeah. yeah
1: and i think that's true that he does it's meaningful also right that he kind of fades into the background of the christmas story um We don't have a ton of information about him. Some people think he may have been older than Mary and that that's why he's willing to marry her, even though it's a little bit of a scandalous context that she's pregnant in a way that he doesn't understand and and didn't seem to have any involvement in. And so, um, but he does just kind of fade into the background and everybody else kind of gets a voice in the story. Uh, but we don't really have any words from Joseph. He is just this kind of silent, faithful character. Other than we get this little glimpse that he, he had in his mind that he might break the engagement. Mm. And then for whatever reason, he stays, stays with Mary and stays faithful. Um, how about, how about Mary? I mean, obviously she looms large in the imagination of the church Oh, yeah, and it's very different if you're Protestant versus Catholic, like in the Catholic church, they spend a lot of energy talking about her as a figure. Um, But what's anything that sticks out to you is what, what her character is. When I think of Mary, I think of her sort of
0: capturing um, gentleness and strength in the same person. So that, that contradiction, but also like leaning heavily on both, which that's what I think of when I think of Mary.
1: Yeah. The, um, the biblical word, um, meekness, I had somebody tell me it it means power under control Mm. or strength under control. And so she might be the kind of the embodiment of that, of that word. Um, yeah. And I think one thing we've, can forget, like we get the part of her being young because that's emphasized in a lot of the songs. Uh, but she's also probably poor, you know, that that would have been a part of her life. Um, so if we were to use breakfast as like a place for conversation, like I always think she would have had a very simple breakfast, but she also seems like the kind of person who would have appreciated every time she did get to add a little oil to the mix. You know, like if she ever did find herself with something a little extra available to her that she would have treasured it. Right. That's, that's the other phrase we have is that she was a person who treasured stuff. So, um, I just think of her as somebody who was attentive, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe. So in the story, right. Mary gets told that this incredible thing that she's going to carry a child. And it's not because of any of the traditional reasons that people end up carrying children. Uh, and I would imagine this to be stressful. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I I sometimes think it's a good time to just revisit the, the beauty of pregnancy in general, right? Like that if we can connect any of what we know, like I haven't had a child, but I have a lot of friends who have, and I know that those those months are filled with anticipation and imagination. Like you imagining what the child will be like. They're also filled with nightmares sometimes like the stress of it. So I don't know uh, what they would have had for breakfast in it. If they would have done anything different for their first Christmas. But uh, I, when I'm under stress, want more baked goods. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm more inclined to, just start the day with donuts. Stress eat. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I get it. Or to do that. I've earned, I've earned this. Right. You know, like I think if I was carrying a child that was conceived of the spirit and was going to carry the burdens of the world, I'd probably let myself eat more donuts. Yes.
0: As you should. I would take the absolute opposite stance. It's such a bummer because food is a a joy spot for me. I I love food and it's something that my body rejects if I'm under stress. So I I can't even nibble on something under high stress and it's an extra, an extra little slam. Yeah, it is very sad. I
1: remember, I think it's there was some interview that Tina Fey talks about food being like little tiny vacations. <laughs> and I've always kind of loved that, that picture because I think anytime you, especially like with breakfast, like cinnamon rolls and donuts and things like, like sweet stuff, because I don't do it all the time. So when I do it, it's like, it is like a, uh, taking a little trip to donut town. <laughs> <laughs> a little trip to donut town. Welcome to breakfast translation. That's right. Yeah. Um, but so speaking of traveling... Did we speak of traveling? We're speaking of traveling now. To Donut Town. Yeah, to Donut Town. Right. Part of their story is not just the stress of carrying the savior of the world as a child, uh, but they also have to do this traveling, right? We learned that there's this census, uh, that they have to return to um, to Galilee, that they have to do some traveling. Um, so they're also kind of in this moment where we don't know. Like, I guess they they probably would have tried to pack enough bread for the journey, Uh, but they might've experienced that thing. We experience sometimes we don't know where your breakfast is coming from. Right. Mm -hmm. And we know that a part of the Christmas story that it's like a part of all the legends and, and all the tales we tell and all the movies we make and the cartoons and Charlie Brown, you know, it's a part of all those things is this idea that they were dependent on hospitality for a place to stay. But even though we don't get the detail of this, they maybe were also dependent on it for the food along the way, right? That they may have experienced some mercy in somebody giving them breakfast that, on those days. Um, but I always kind of love that because, of course, the the deep, powerful truth of Christmas is a, a God being vulnerable enough to show up as a child, as a baby, and it's also in the story of Joseph and Mary because they're, they're away from their routine. Like if Joseph did have a Yeti cup, there's no guarantee when you're on the road that you're going to get good coffee. Right. So, so here they are in a really vulnerable space. And so I kind of love that in a lot of ways, the story of Christmas is about a vulnerable God, like a God who like puts himself in uh, at the hands of humans. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, we don't get like, so, you know, we're everybody, hopefully people who are listening have really meaningful ways that they're going to celebrate Christmas. Um, I think at least one of the things that's worth paying attention to is just letting your imagination really think about Jesus as a baby, mm-hmm. you know, like we sing songs about it and watch movies about it. And well, but just that, that wild thing of, the God who can't say dada yet, you know, like it's just kind of, um, it's it's got a magic to it. If we sit with it, um, we don't get a lot of stories about Jesus as a child, right? Even though Christmas celebrates, Jesus as a baby. And then all of a sudden he's a man. Yeah. All of a sudden But there is, there is. So this one little story that's also tucked away in Luke two, where, um, Jesus and his parents are traveling to the temple. And that's one thing we learn about them is that they are faithful people to the rituals of like the Jewish life. Mm -hmm. So there would have been certain times where you definitely had to bring your baby to the temple. And so uh, at the end of Luke two, they're traveling with family and they're going to the temple for a festival and Jesus gets lost in the shuffle. (laughs) And so the it's Home only, Alone. Yeah. The only story is <laughs> this is the prequel to Home Alone. And little baby Jesus looks in um, the mirror and just holds his face and screams. Um no, he's actually super calm. Yeah the, yeah. the parents are going. Yeah, the parents are like, oh no. Um did you ever have you ever did you ever get lost from your parents when you were a little kid? Yes, yeah, terrifying. Yeah. I have a feeling it happened to me once at the Christian bookstore. Okay. We had this local Christian bookstore in Columbus called Christian Armory, which I actually worked at when I got older. But one of my most vivid memories of getting separated from my mom, I was at Christian Armory. And the funniest part about it is that Christian Armory was a shocking place. In what way? In a shocking way. It literally (laughs) shocked you. They had shag carpet and something about their shelving so that... I have these memories as a kid of going to Christian Army to the Christian bookstore with my mom and just like scooting my feet along the carpet and like shocking myself on the I don't know, I don't know. I'm not sure why that was memorable to me except that right? I remember getting lost and also jolted <laughs> with every step cuz I would like reach out and put my hands on the shelving and it would shock me. Uh-huh. And I don't know if that's happened like I don't know if that's a thing that happens in other retail Spaces. This is the first time here, in I, for that reason, I've always found Christianity to, to quite be quite shocking. shocking. Oh boy, boo! I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, boo. listeners, for making that very bad metaphor. But that is one of the times I got lost was in the shocking Christian bookstore, and so it made it extra worse. So uh, we do get this little note. So Jesus, he's like, he's like gone ahead to the temple. So he didn't like go off and find a playground.
0: No, he said, I got, I got work to do. I got to get
1: to the temple and I got to start teaching people things. My
0: parents are socializing, (laughs) slowing down.
1: We get this one little line, right? It it tells us that Mary is, there's that line where it says she, she treasured all this treasured, all these things in her heart. And we get this one line in Luke two 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. So whatever, like, mythology we might have around Jesus as a, has a baby and as a kid, like if we think of him as a, like five years old, quoting the Psalms or whatever. No, it tells us that he grew, you know, that he, he learned words like we learn words that he maybe at some point found the world kind of alarming, you know, and kind of shocking and weird and, Maybe he was at the grocery store shocking himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with the, he with did the, the life yeah. thing. But he was like trying to sort it out. And it gives us his line that he had to increase in those things. He had to grow in wisdom. Right. Um, and it, it leads us maybe back to the, like the lines in Philippians 2 about... Jesus kind of emptying himself to become a human so that he could understand what it's like for those of us who every once in a while feel like dum-dums in this world. or like, we just, the world is mysterious and too big for us and we don't get it. It's weird to me to think, but God of the universe knows that feeling.
0: Right. He can say, "I, I get it.
1: Yeah. And I think there's lots of things that Christmas means, but that's at least one of the things it means is that God understands us in our vulnerability and incompleteness. Um, and that's a good thing to remember over donuts and breakfast. Right. So, um, We hope, I don't know if people will be listening to this on actual Christmas road trips where they're at the mercy of hospitality and just looking for some room at the inn. If you're listening to this around Christmas time, uh, we certainly hope that it is holy space for you and that it's a place for you to get curious about uh, the God who had to grow in wisdom. Uh, So thanks for joining us on The Breakfast Translation.